Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. This is the reason that you want to be gentle. This is the reason that you want to follow Christ and and depend upon Him. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Now, there are two possible meanings here in the Greek. I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. Here's the two possible meanings. Number one, that the Lord is close to us. He's present with us, aware of our conduct, concerned with our attitude, available to come to our aid, and at hand to assist us in time of need in getting back up. I think that's all true, and I think it means that, but I think it also means this. Number two, this is speaking about the return of Jesus Christ, which is near. Jesus could come back in the blink of an eye right now. And that's where if your name isn't written in that book, look out, look out. For those of us whose name are written in the book of life, We can rejoice. We can look forward to the day that Jesus returns because we know what our reward will be when we see him as he really is. This is our source of joy and gentleness. So number one, we define joy. And number two, the road to joy is through prayer and trust in God. You want to know how to have joy in the midst of the crisis we're in? Well, you have a prayer life. And then place your trust in God. If God is really greater than my greatest problem, I can go to him just as I am. I can give him my anxiety. I can trust that my needs, he's going to meet the ones that that he wants to meet because he knows the best way through for Ben. And he knows the best way through for you. He knows what you need before you speak. We can also trust that he will deal with those things in his time and in his way. And that it will work together for good because he loves me. Romans 8.28 tells us that. If you're his, listen, everything that happens to you, even the hard things, he's going to work for good for you and for his glory. You can trust him on that. Paul says this, don't be anxious about anything. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. But in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Aren't you glad we can walk into the courtroom of heaven whenever we want? Your dad, your father, your papa is there in the courtroom and he throws his arms open and he says, what do you need? Speak to me. Tell me what's going on. He already knows anyway. (laughs) So why not just tell him, God, I don't, this is really hard. This, I don't know if I can get through this one. He understands that. So tell him. But don't be anxious for anything because you can walk in and tell him that. You know that God is going to take care of it. So how do we keep ourselves from being anxious and find joy? Pray. Let your requests be made known to God, Paul says. Write this down. I'm going to tell you, Write this next thing down. This is worth the price of admission. Whatever, you know, whatever that was. <laughs> Alarm clock, I don't know. But this is worth it right here. And I'm going to put it up on the screen. Slide number one. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. So in your Bibles, underline everything and underline nothing. 
It's important. To be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. When, when, you, when you see a problem coming or when it falls on top of your head from out of nowhere, run to prayer. Run to prayer because we're really good at complaining, aren't we? Or is it just me in here that complains when there's a problem? I mean, I, I can complain, you know, at, at 30 miles an hour, uh, you know, and, and God just listens to it all. But then we need to recover and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How can I grow through this? How can I bless somebody else? What do you want me to know? There's, there's wisdom in going through a hard time in your life. There's things that you want to know and so that you can grow. So write that down. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, as you pray, pray with thanksgiving. We don't just go into God and, and, and make a, rip off a list of six. God, this is what I'm going to need from you today. One, two, three, four, five, six. Got it? Good. I'm out of here. What? <laughs> We're walking into the King of Kings, the Lord of Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who provided his own son in grace and mercy so that we could be forgiven and gain heaven. We're going to talk to him like that? No, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Thank him for every gift you have. Watch what happens to your attitude. You know, there's this 30 days of thanksgiving in November that's gotten to be pretty popular. I would encourage everybody in here to do it. So November 1, you write down one thing you're thankful for. And then November 2, you write another one. And then by the end of it, you have 30 things that you're thankful for, for, for thanksgiving. And so you read them at your thanksgiving dinner with your kids. They love it, by the way, especially if they're teenagers. <laughs> uh, do that to them. It's good for their character. But it's good for your soul to remember what you're thankful for. When you do this, you'll force your mind to stop dwelling on the storm and start dwelling on the blessings and presence of the God you serve. So not only should we pray to God, we should trust Him too. When we pray and give our anxieties to God, we should trust that he will then take care of them. We will have peace if we'll do that. Let me tell you, if you don't do that, you're going to have a real hard time finding peace. And the peace, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Did you get that? Isn't it great to know that to have peace it's not based upon our understanding. I don't have to understand it all. And see, and that's, that's what I do. You know, I was a cop for 20 years. You want to get to the bottom line here. What's the truth? Tell me the truth. You can't handle the truth. Now, you want to find out what the bottom line is. God, just tell me why you made this happen. Because, you know, from my point of view, this just doesn't make sense. So uh, hold on with your peace. I want to know why. And if, I'll, if, I, if you can tell me why, then, then maybe I'll have peace. And God says, hey, no, it doesn't work that way. And you know, See, we're not going to understand 90% of what happened to us until heaven. And I guarantee you in heaven, that quilt that's being built by God, all these little things that we think are random you know, tragedies or good things even, we can't put them all together, but the master quilter is putting together your life. And when you look back on it from heaven, you're going to go, 
Oh, I didn't understand that. Oh, so when that thing happened that I'm sorry I uh, threw my sucker in the dirt, you brought three people to Christ through that? I didn't understand that. I didn't know that. So be careful what you accuse God of. Just know that he's working all things together for good to those who love him, to those that are called according to his purpose, not our purpose, but his. And that means we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't need to know the whys and hows in our storm. Our understanding of this world, the universe, ourselves, is at best incomplete. I mean, you know, the scientists are always changing things. You know, well, this, you know, now that we know this is true, then we've got to change our whole, <laughs> you know, the whole thing over here because we're wrong about this. We didn't come from apes, apparently. So now we've got to talk about something else, some other uh, gross, negligent thing that they come up with. We don't understand it. Mankind, you know, we don't even understand our ocean, and we live on our own planet. You know, the ocean, they said, is still largely undiscovered and, un- and misunderstood. And I read an article on the Mariana Trench. And how deep that thing, it's miles deep. Whoa. So, I mean, you know, they're trying to put stuff down there, cameras. They're, they're seeing fish or, or things down there that they can't even dis- hardly describe. They're going, whoa, there's things down in that trench we've never seen before. That it, it can only survive at those depths. That's why we've never seen them before. There's lots of things we don't understand by long shot. We don't understand everything about God or why things happen the way they do although we demand an answer for them, but we don't have to figure it out. In fact, we can't figure it out. And because of that, we have to understand that. It can't keep us from having God's peace. One of my favorite authors and speakers uh, who's had a great impact in my life is is Pastor John Corson, Calvary Chapel pastor up in, uh, uh, is it Gresham, I think, Oregon? Um, he shares the tragedy that happened to him. He had come to Christ uh, in his early 20s. He'd gone to the school that Calvary Chapel uh, School of the Bible that they have there in Southern California. He, had, uh, he was excited about his faith, and he was going to go plant a church. He plants this church up in Oregon. It starts to take off. It looks like God is blessing everything, and he was. And then one day, he's traveling down the road with his wife and his son, and here's his own words. He said, they were driving on, on a road, and there was ice. His car lost control, and his wife and his child um, went into a tree sideways in the car, and it killed them both. Two days later, he said, I tucked my three little children, ages one, two, and five, into bed. I went out to the front room, sat on the couch, and said to God, Why? Why now? He said it was not a fist shaking at God, but a heartfelt deep grief. Why? Why now? When things were just going so good. She was an integral part of what we're doing here. Why? The Lord seemed to speak to his heart in inaudible words. He said, I just felt like God was pressing this on my heart in such an absolute way, he said, that I knew that the Lord was speaking to me. He said, Johnny, I have promised you a peace that passes understanding. Haven't I given that to you in these past few days? Pastor John said, yes, Lord. You really have given me a peace that passes. I can't explain it. 
It's just beyond, yes, you have, Lord. You've given me a peace. And then it was as if God said, Johnny, never seek peace that comes from understanding. And I knew that was huge. I had to find a piece of paper and a pen and write this down. And this is what he wrote. Never seek peace that comes from understanding. His peace surpasses understanding. He said, I understood innately if the Lord gave us a peace that comes from understanding by answering the wise, we would argue in our small brains. Well, okay, but what about this God? Or why couldn't you have done it this way? The Lord says, I'm going to bypass your puny, limited, dinky little brain that you'll, uh, that you'll use to argue with me. You'll never get it anyway. I'm going to give you a peace that passes understanding. And, it, and John, it's going to be in your heart. You're not going to understand how it got there. End of quote. Well, Pastor John Corson was able to pray his way through this storm and not just survive, but thrive in the midst of devastating loss. That's devastating. And all because he learned the value of prayer and to trust in a trustworthy God. By the way, I'll add this. He remarried years later. His uh, ministry up there, his church has just exploded. Why? Because people saw Jesus in how he responded. And that is attractive. He remarried, had a few more kids. God has just been so good to him, so faithful to him. He'll tell you that in stories and books that I've read from him. He gleans off of that today. While he would not want to go through that ever again, he understands why a little bit that today he is who he is because he went through that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells me this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Listen, don't try to figure everything out. Trust that God has your best interest at heart and that he's going to lead you. It may not make sense in the moment, but he's going to take you through things that will create you to be prepared for the things that you need to do later on. There are things in my life that I cried out, why? I gotta be honest with you, there were times when I was so angry with God, why? This doesn't make sense. We were going so good, but now this. How could you let this happen to me? But all the way, I look back and understand now, okay, wouldn't want to do that again, but I do understand that I am who I am because of that, and I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now had I not gone through that. Trusting in his knowledge keeps us from trusting ourselves and keeps us from trusting in the world and ourselves. His knowledge protects our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So number one, we define joy. That's how we started. Number two, we discovered the road to joy is through prayer and trust in God. And number three, here it is. We have a plan to arrive at joy. There's a, we're not doing this willy-nilly. We're not, you know, that's a Greek word that means, you know, <laughs> by chance. A lot of non-Christians think that the church, we Christians are a bunch of mindless people 
that we're just, you know, nodding our heads in agreement, that we don't have our ability to think. They don't believe that we think for ourselves. They, they reason that we need God because we lack something inside ourselves. Well, that part's true. We just admit it and go look for the peace that belongs there, right? All mankind apart from God lacks the ability to do or plan for anything good. Jesus told us this over in John 15, right before the cross, he's talking to his disciples. He says, listen, guys, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. You can't cut, cut a branch off and keep growing grapes. It doesn't work that way. It has to stay in the vine. The branch has to stay in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Wow. While the world looks at us as people who are mindlessly following religion, the Bible gives us a plan for success by filling our minds with the things God wants us to meditate on, the things that lead our life to a life worth living, a life full of joy, despite our outward circumstances. This is why the world looks at us and goes, you guys are weird. You just went through A, B, and C, and you're okay with that? Man, aren't you ticked off? You know, I don't understand that. I know it looks strange, but I, I just know God's, God's doing something. They, they look at us as being weird. He says, meditate on these things that I want to give you. And so this, uh, this morning, I want to give you these things that you're to meditate on. They're found right here in our passage today. Uh, we have to change our minds. Now listen, our minds, you know, we're full of sin. We were born in a sinful state. So if we're going to have the mind of God... We have to change our mind. We have to put truth in there and get rid of all these lies, uh, the flesh that's in our mind. You know, we got to pour in this fresh truth. We change our minds by thinking about these things. You know this. Whatever is true means true in the sense of truthfulness, truthful in every aspect of our life, including our thoughts, speech, and actions, truthful on your taxes, <laughs> truthful in everything you tell somebody. If you tell somebody, hey, this is what I'm going to do, do it. Your neighbors should know. He's weird, but I'll tell you what. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. The guy's honest as the day is long. Number two, think of things that are noble. This word is only found in the writings of Paul. Paul uses it several times, that word uh, in the Greek for noble. It refers to lofty things, it, it, uh, majestic things, things that lift the mind from the cheapness and the sin of this world, the immorality to that which is noble and good and moral. I had a professor like that in my seminary. I mean, the guy was just always noble. He was always pure. His, he, 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 something would be said on, on this level down here, and he would turn and bring it to this level. That's the kind of guy he is. Being noble, that which is good and of moral worth. Number three, think of things that are right. This means giving to God and men their due. It involves duty and responsibility. It entails satisfying all obligations. If you owe someone money, pay it back. 
be right. Do think people ought to look at you and go, this person's right. If you know, if this is gonna, if she says this, I can guarantee you that's what's gonna happen because they're right. Think of things that are pure. Boy, that's getting more difficult. Man, Netflix is out of control. I'll just throw that in. That was free. <laughs> you know, what are they thinking? Well, they're thinking with their worldly minds. But what we're talking here, this purity, this means embracing purity in every part of your life. Up here, this is where our brains are dangerous. Purity on every aspect. Whatever things are lovely, this literally means that which calls forth love. Think of those things that are going to cause you to love. Think of good things about people. Oh, that, guy, that guy was so nice to stop and help me last week. Or, you know, I, I appreciate this, this lady over here who takes this on every week. She's a servant. She's a silent servant. I love her because I, I, that's what I'm going to think about. It. This is the choice in my mind. This is how we treat people. We love them. And it literally means that which calls forth love or causes us to feel love. And then finally, admirable means expressing what is kind and likely to win people and avoiding what is likely to give an offense. Back to not winning the argument, but winning the soul. This leads to the proper mindset that Paul asked the church in Philippi to not just think about, but to put into action. Are you struck with grief right now or depression? Maybe you've been like this for years, maybe weeks or months. But here's a way out of this. Pray to God. He has the answers. We don't. Believe. Give thanks for God's blessings in your life begin to focus on what he's given you and begin to train your mind on the whatevers start thinking purely start thinking holy start thinking as he thinks and watch what happens in your life he'll change it the whatevers will bring you to verse 7 and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through christ jesus listen we need guardrails in this world God's given them to us. It's our choice to take them or reject them. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word. Wow. This passage we could have spent a year on. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity to go through it today. Help us glean from this and go forward and leave this room, not the same way that we came in, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by obeying what it says. It's not enough to know about it. We need to put it into practice so lord help each one of us myself included we all need help we need your supernatural holy spirit to do what you've told us we can do lord help us give us strength and lord as in these last days as we're looking at, at all the truth that we have and the, the blessings and this joy that we have the answer to life that we have help us to look around us horizontally and see those that yet don't know you or don't know you yet. Father, help us to reach out to our neighbors and love them. Show them Christ. Invite them over for dinner. Be with them. Let them see what a Christian is like and how they love. Help us love them into the kingdom. And then, Lord, our family members as well. I know I have family members, Lord, that 
that don't know you, their names are not written in the book of life. And I pray for them and I pray for all the family members in here. Every person in here probably has one. Lord, I lift them up to you even as we speak. Lord, let us be about Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to talk to you guys at home that are watching us right now. And I want to talk to everybody in this room and outside. Paul says you can know that you know that you're saved. And I want to talk to that person that has heard about Jesus. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.